to be astonished. It's that time again. Let's get started. From the Clatsop County Historical Society, an adventure in history with Matt Burns and Alana Quila. You should never be allowed to talk to people. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking. And now, with today's adventure, it's Mac and Alana. Hello, and welcome to An Adventure in History. We're so glad you're joining us via radio, if it's evening, good evening, or podcast in your car, <laughs> on your way somewhere. You're but playing up the podcast. I know. Well, we have a popular podcast. Well, we hope so. We do. And, you know, I don't know why that made me think of it, mm-hmm. but we don't necessarily owe an apology, but we, we failed in our duties. We did. Because we love KMUN. We do. We do. And everybody should love it. We are. We feel like our program is the perfect fit for KMUN, right? Because um, we're educational, we provide information, and, you know, we're just entertaining, Mac. We're, we're edutainment. Edutainment. <laughs> so this is where KMUN's but, like, wait a second. But the truth be told, we pre-recorded. Yes. Or as you say, live on tape. Yep. And we forgot to talk about, it was Pledge Month, Pledge Week, and, and it's time to write a check to KMUN. Yes. This is our local public radio, um, so it's free, so people who have programming that meets those lovely requirements I just said hmm. um, can be on the radio because the public does own those airwaves. Um, but to keep this station going, right, because you still have to pay the bills to keep That's right. electricity, to have people operating um yeah they need their their donations but you can still make a donation you always can yes because it's 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 a 501c3 yeah nonprofit organization so even if it's not during the actual pledge time correct as a fellow nonprofit, i know i will always take your check so i'm sure kmun will still take a check yes and you know the great thing too is they don't have tiers they will take any donation. There's no minimum and no maximum. If you're a donor, you become a member of KMUN. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to KMUN.org, and it's at the very top of their website. Super easy. You click the little button that says Donate Here, and they have information on monthly gifts. Again, very easy. Or one-time gifts. And by doing so, you are supporting local trusted reporting and information. Um, You're also guaranteeing emergency coverage. This is something we don't always think about because you and I do not provide that service. But (laughs) KMUN does provide that service. And they do take that responsibility very seriously. Um, So, yes. So, KMUN.org to go make your monthly or one-time donation. And it ensures that you and I will still be here to entertain you. Yes. We love it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Kamu, and, and to our listeners, of course. So something else is pretty cool. Yes. Is OPB, mm-hmm. Oregon Public Broadcasting. I love OPB. And mm-hmm. OPB just invaded your life. Oh, they did. Yeah. I was like, where are you going with this? <laughs> How quickly I forgot. <laughs> you just brought it up I know I did. We so my eight-year-old daughter came home from second grade, and she was so excited <laughs> because she saw Mac on television in school. <laughs> and it sounds like it was part of like a social studies lesson because they were learning mm-hmm. about the community where they live. So this, do you want to tell so a little I bit about what from, she saw? From what you described, I think it was the OPB special from, yeah. oh my goodness, like seven years ago. <laughs> Um, on Astoria called yep. Astoria. Yep. It's and definitely they interviewed me. They interviewed a whole bunch of people. But I, I they had some really good lines that I said. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I had pretty good lines. I, I sounded like I was really intelligent. 
Well, it but. was news to her to learn about the Titanic. Because they brought up the Titanic and, and how right. that's John not, Jacob Astor. But not the John Jacob Astor. Right. But the name. There's a, fa- a familiar, uh, familial. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but she recognized relation. the Flavel house. She did. Well, and the funniest thing. So she's telling me this. She's so excited. She says, but he didn't use his name. He didn't go by Mac. It's like, well, what, what are you oh, talking about? Oh, it probably about? had McAndrew it did. written underneath me. So yes. when, I, when I finally get to that realization, <laughs> then she's kind of in awe. Well, she's like, well, why does he go by Mac? McAndrew's so much cooler. <laughs> she thinks McAndrew's cooler. Yes. Well, it is cooler. It is. It's just easier to say Mac. So, yes. See, this is because my parents never let me go by anything but McAndrew. Okay. I had no shortened name. I like that. Until I was an adult. In a summer job, I was the program person. I was the Bill Murray of a summer camp. And the camp was the J.E. Mack Scout Reservation. Oh, funny. And the kids instantly started, my my staff, my younger staff started saying, oh, Mack is running Camp Mack. And that was, so I was not, I was 21. Oh, my goodness. Before I started going by Mack. But my horror, in all of elementary school, every substitute teacher... Um, McAndrew here. What's your first name? That is my first name. No, no, no. Your first name. Oh my goodness. That is. And then I would get all red and embarrassed as we have this whole conversation in front of the entire class. So that's one of the reasons I was quick to embrace at age 21. Mac is a little bit easier. Had you never thought of that before or just because your parents weren't on board? My scalemaster was the only person who was allowed to call me Mac. Okay. And I don't know why and when he started doing it. But because my parents loved him, they kind of let it pass. But there was a gym teacher in uh, elementary school that called me Mac, and they went in and like talked to the principal. Oh, okay, <laughs> interesting. Oh, how funny! So, well, now you know. Harley loved it. That's just funny that she. But but they it was a great program. So she said, or you know, she had learned a lot of new things. She learned they talked about the Chinese history. Oh yeah. Of the area. Yeah, Dave Lum. Dave Lum was in the it was in the interview. I know, and that. she didn't recognize him. Yeah. Um, but uh, a great presentation and and talking about you know just Astoria, but they're also talking about globally so how we fit into the the world so (laughs) i just like that she gets all excited and the rest of the class is probably like what the heck (laughs) the boss the boss of the the museum is that what she said oh yes that's funny (laughs) (laughs) well sam johnson's in it too from the maritime museum okay well and she wouldn't know him (laughs) but um but she did pitch an adventure in history and so now the whole class in second grade knows that they could listen to our radio show there we go i'm sure that they are just you know Chomping at the bit to do Probably. so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I do every now and then get uh, like people off the cruise ship. If I happen to be in the Flavel house, they'll have watched that oh. special before they came here. Yes. And they'll say, were you in that OPB show? Oh, how fun. I'm like, how do you recognize? I'm yeah. just the guy taking your tickets at the front door of the Flavel house. And <laughs> yet they make that connection. Right. That's awesome. Look well, at Yeah. Should we get our, to our, we, our word? We should. This is Lost Words. Historical words. And this today's word is quinked. Quinked. Yes. You're going to have to spell it. Q-U-A-N-K-E-D. And it's an adjective. So, oh, see, I was going to say it was the act of starting your car when you had to turn the... <laughs> That's cranked. <laughs> you have to quank it. <laughs> nope. Okay, quanked. so quinked. Um, that is when I get really... T- somebody is really tired. Oh, 
That is spot on. You're quanked. Exhausted or fatigued from hard work. Good job. <laughs> I, want, I wonder if I just like absorb these things from reading old texts or something. I mean, I'm not going to use them in a sentence like before because you got all of those. But I'm totally okay. quanked. Well, it does. It's been it a long weekend. to all of us. We're mid-September, folks, and, you know, fall is here, but. Well, don't get quanked on us tonight. No, we're here. We're here for All some, right. some more entertainment. All right, you ready for the, uh, the history highlights? Let's do it. I got a big uh, two pages worth here, Ooh. but I got smart. I put something oh. in red. <laughs> to make it one stand of the, out. <laughs> one of those that I want you to try to guess the date, the year. And these are things, of course, that happened uh, tomorrow, so September 25th. But uh, this is one that caught me off guard. So on whatever year this might be. <laughs> British physician Dr. Charles Drysdale warns against the use of tobacco in a letter to the Times newspaper in one of the earliest public health announcements on the dangers of smoking. Ooh, the earliest. Oh, this is. So, obviously, you know it's not going to be 1980. Right. So, it's earlier than I suspected it would be. So, oh. what year did British physician Dr. Gosh. Charles Drysdale Warn against the use of a, of tobacco. I'm going to say 1960. 1878. Oh, my goodness. Doesn't that blow your Completely mind? Completely lost in history, right? I would have been amazed with 1910 or 1920. 1878, this guy is waving the he red knows. flag. Well. Yeah. All right. 1513, on this day in uh, September 25th, in 1513, Spanish explorer Vasco Nunez de Dalbo Balboa Crosses the Panama Isthmus, becoming the first European to see the Pacific Ocean. Oh, cool. Balboa. Yeah. 1775, and this one's for me, Ethan Allen is captured. <laughs> I saw that one. <laughs> after boarding a poorly planned and ill-timed attack on the British-controlled city of Montreal, Continental Army Colonel Ethan Allen is captured by the British. Uh, after being identified as an officer of the Continental Army, Allen is taken prisoner and sent to England to be executed. But they were worried because he was such a public figure mm -hmm. that we shouldn't kill him. So eventually, I think he's there for about two years, but uh, eventually they trade him as a prisoner. Okay. But one of the fun stories about this, they have a, uh, in the latrine where he's being kept, they have a portrait of George Washington. <laughs> and they were hoping they were being really insulting. Right. And they said, uh, finally, when he didn't comment on it, and I don't know how long he didn't comment on it, but they said, so... Uh, you know, Mr. Allen or General Allen, what, uh, how'd you like that portrait in there? And he goes, well, I thought that was perfectly appropriate. Uh. And the British said, why? And he goes, well, every time you Brits see him, you need the toilet. Oh, so, funny. That's that a was, good one. That was kind of Ethan Allen's personality. Interesting. So, sidebar. Mm -hmm. Sidebar. Since you work for the Ethan Allen Museum, mm -hmm. what did you think or what do people think there about the Ethan Allen uh, furniture? So I used to have friends that would call in, in a fake voice, say like, I, I want to order some furniture. And then I, I never was quite sure because we would get legitimate phone calls. I'm sure. I'm sure. So the reason, if you are going to start a furniture company in Vermont and have it be somewhat colonial-like originally, you're going to call your company Ethan Allen. Okay. Because Ethan Allen is all over Vermont. He's the father of Vermont. And was so, he into wood, woodworking? No, not or? at all. Okay. <laughs> not at all. I mean, there's no, no connection. There's no connection. I mean, I had part of it, like a little presentation when I, when I worked there to do for rotary clubs, things like that, of all the things that have been named Ethan Allen, including a nuclear submarine. Oh. There was a USS Ethan Allen. There's 
Ethan Allen ice cream shop. There's the Ethan Allen furniture store. There's the Ethan Allen coffee shop. I mean, you just, if you're in Vermont, you're going to In Vermont. Name, yeah. Okay. Because yeah. it's huge, though. I mean, the Ethan Allen it, it, furniture it, did become it, it very It is. It's popular. a huge company. But, you know, it'd be like, like here, all the things that are named Columbia. Right. Okay. Columbia this, Columbia that, just because okay. we got the Columbia River. So. So good advertising then. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It would just, in theory, you would name your company Ethan Allen something, just to show that you had Vermont roots or to make Vermonters feel better about your company and your product. Sure. And so. price. All right. Uh, also just for me, 1875, Billy the Kid escapes jail in Silver City, New Mexico by climbing out of a chimney and becomes a fugitive. Mm. So the first time that he's a, an outlaw on the run. Uh, let's see. 1926, Henry Ford announces an eight-hour, five-day work week from workers at the Ford Motor Company. Oh, nice. Eight hours, five days, then you go home. Sounds wonderful. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Bring um, on the weekend. 1957, this was almost going to be my history highlight. I thought about it. The Little Rock Nine began the first full day of classes. Yes. The strength of these kids. Yep. When you've got parents, you've got law enforcement spitting on you, yelling the most horrible things to go to school. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> the strength. I just, I can't even imagine. Yep. Definitely very influential. Uh, also, just for me, 1970, The Partridge Family premieres on ABC. <laughs> I saw that. That's just a couple years before my time. It was Brady Bunch years. See, I never watched either one like live. There were always reruns right. when I watched them, but it was still something I, I thought The Partridge Family was cool. Mm-hmm. David Cassidy, I mean, come on, Susan Day, come Very on. Very popular. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, 1981, Sandra Day O'Connor sworn in as the first female U.S. Supreme Court justice. Yay. And I'm not going to think that you interviewed her. Nope. But <laughs> I went to her school named after I her. finally learned this lesson. Yes. Because <laughs> we brought her up before. <laughs> yes. But our history highlight of the day, the thing I think had the most impact, 1789, the Bill of Rights passes Congress. Oh, yeah. The Bill of Rights. Now, we are an imperfect union. Mm-hmm. We still strive to be perfect. But the Bill of Rights was a pretty amazing thing mm-hmm. to think out. So I'm a big fan of the Constitution. <laughs> yeah. It's still a work in progress. Yes, I like that. But compared to Because what? things are different than they were. Exactly. When that was written, right? Yeah. So History of yeah. the Day, Bill of Rights passes Congress, 1789. That's good. I like that what one. What I miss? Anything? No, that was it. Shocker. I know. My only question was that Ethan Allen, because I saw that on the, <laughs> the <laughs> that one was coming up. Because we talk about Ethan Allen a lot, so I was, but we never talk about the furniture. Ethan Allen is a really great story. I mean, if you're going to get into Revolutionary War era history, and you don't want to just go with George Washington, he's pretty amazing, and and it's just a pretty fun story. The guy's a peacock, the guy's over the top, but there, there is a lot of amusement in that story. Yeah, I see a show in our future. There could be. Let's bring on more Ethan Allen. We did do a Pony Express show just, just for me. Just for too. us, yeah. <laughs> okay, so I was trying to figure out what we were going to do today because we, yep. didn't, we didn't have a guest. Right. So you have heard us talk on the air. We've had Chelsea, the curator, and Julie, our digital archivist, on talking about this really amazing scanning project that we've been doing. It's amazing. And if you click on our website, Astoria Museums with an S, AstoriaMuseums.org, and then under Research... There's something called the Internet Archive, and we have scanned over 2,000 things. I love that. Including collections like Clatsop Community College. We scanned a whole bunch of their stuff, the Genealogy Society, the Angora Hiking Club. I love it. All of our old Cumtuxes. 
the magazine we put out. And you can word search these documents. Really nice. So it's not about preserving photographs necessarily, because we don't scan at a high enough resolution for, hey, I want to blow up this photo and put it on the wall of my restaurant or something. Right. But it is preserving all these items Mm -hmm. and making them searchable. So I went in there searching, (laughs) and I don't remember what word I actually (laughs) wrote. It's like, what subject? Because there's nothing this week in local history that jumped out at me. There was nothing nationally that I thought we should talk about. And I stumbled on a document that this was put together by Lisa Penner, our archivist, uh, in December of 2005. It's about a 75-page document. But it was just entitled Buildings. Interesting. Buildings of Astoria. And these are clips of things. They're editorials from the paper. They are things from different documents that we have in our collection. And I don't know if this was the beginning of her writing an article for Cumtux, if this was the beginning of a of a presentation that she gave or the information she gave for somebody else to give a presentation, but it was pretty darn interesting. Okay. So I figured we'd kind of read through some of these from the 1840s, 1850s, 1860s. But you could go find this document. Right. By At this point, you could just type the word buildings and it would <laughs> probably come up. But this is the great thing about this the searchable database that we have created of all this great information that we've digitized. Okay. Let's let's take uh, a peek. Yeah. So this is um, from a Cumtux article, but uh, we're talking about buildings in the 1840s right now. In the spring of 49, this is by uh, Caroline Childs Van Dusen. This is a quote from her. In the spring of 49, we moved to Astoria. At this time, there were not there were just but uh, two frame houses in Astoria, Mr. Welch's and Mr. David Ingalls. We moved into one of the shark houses that stood near where now stands the Parker House in Astoria. These houses were built by the men from the wrecked vessel Shark. Huh. Mr. Van Dusen, I like that's how she refers to the husband. <laughs> <Yeah>. Mr. Van <laughs> Dusen had to split out boards for the roofing and chinking for this house. Our house stood near a little bay, Mm -hmm. the front of the house being three or four feet above the ground. Many uh, Native Americans were camped on the hills near our house. Time passed, and we built us a comfortable home in Uppertown. And here, in 1852, I was keeping boarders. About about 1864, the Van Dusen family moved to a new home at 16th and Franklin. Wow. So this first house is kind of... um, by the Young's, the new Young's Bay Bridge, that area. This is where right. she's talking about. And only two initially. other families. Yeah. Aside from the Native Americans, right? Yeah. That were here. Okay, so this one's from The Schooner Shark, and it was written by Jim Denon in 1988. And he shares, in 1846, according to Neil Howison, captain of The Schooner Shark, Astoria had 10 houses, including a warehouse, two Native American lodges, a cooper's and a blacksmith's shop, and about 30 people lived there. That's a lot of building from one shipwreck. (laughs) And for 30 people. (laughs) Yeah. So this is uh, another reading, and it's from a manuscript at the Astoria Public Library. In 1848, Samuel McEwen Jr. saw Astoria, at first saw Astoria, and said, there seemed to be nothing but forest and hills on the one side, water on the other. Looking to the eastward, there was an open grass-covered tract where there were four or five small buildings. These houses were occupied by some of the Hudson Bay Company people, one as a store, others as dwellings, etc., and were situated just south of where St. Mary's Hospital now stands. A little, little nearer the hills, looking about southeast, I discovered another little green spot upon which stood the residence of Mr. James Welch, one half of which were to 
occupy in the foreground was a cluster of Native American homes ranging from the water's edge up the side of the hill, near where the feral sawmill once stood. Immediately south of us and close to the beach was a little log house in a clearing, which was the residence of Colonel McClure. There were two or three small buildings west of the McClure's and a cabin and a small house on what was called Shark's Point. Shark's Point. That's, again, the edge of the peninsula. Beautiful. So now we're into the 1850s. And this is uh, this guy, P.W. Gillette, kept a diary. And we've got lots of entries, uh, lots of copies of it. But there's lots of entries just about the weather that he'll say, like, this date rained. This date rained. This date (laughs) still rained. So he's pretty funny. But uh, he writes in 1852, Astoria had only two stores. One poor old sawmill, about 20 houses, including the old Boeing bowling house. That's the Astoria Hotel, and that, of course, is Captain Flavel, Mary's Mary Bowling. Oh. And then uh, this is from letters from Charles Stevens, uh, and this is writing in the spring of 1853. Astoria is built on a side hill with a very heavy timber back, without roads or streets, and with only about 12 houses. Fort George is about one mile below and has perhaps two or three more houses than Astoria, but possesses no more natural advantages, nor artificial unless it is uh, in having the soldier station there and having uh, the custom house there. I like that he separates Astoria from Fort George. Right. That's, that's kind interesting. Of strange. I'm going to skip ahead, but sure. you, you stay on track there because okay. this is one that you, you highlighted. Um, and this is from... Um, Let's see. This is 10th and... So we're into the 1870s, by the yes, way. Yes, 1870s. Tumbling in yesterday forenoon, the east end of the old building under which, too, the Astorian was printed for nearly four years, tumbled partly into the bay, corner of Square and Cass Streets. It is at present occupied by celestials... Um, by... Ooh, let's see. I'm having trouble reading this now. It is occupied and such a tumble... Oh. I think I'm on the wrong one now. Yeah, you might be. I am on the wrong one. Okay. Sorry, Sorry folks. Live reading. Okay, well, you're looking. Uh, I'll do. Yes. This is uh, an editorial. But a stroll along Wall Street, and that's really Franklin now, but Got back it. then, Wall Street, on Saturday afternoon, disclosed the fact that very desirable improvements are being made east of court by C.W. Shively, as it work at a cut and uh, fill in front of his property, and J. William Welch in uh, force has undertaken a heavy contract in front of Mr. A. Van Dusen's. This is the work that is to make an avenue that will connect Astoria with the upper town and eventually make a drive out of the city for carriages, a thing which is very much needed and an improvement we uh, hope to soon see. Interesting. So these are, so that is written like it's an editorial yeah. in the paper? So that is, that is from that, an editorial. Okay. Yeah. Um, here's here's another one that you starred. The bell tower for the reception of the new bell belonging to the Astoria Fire Department, which is now expected here in a few days, will be erected upon a lot near City Hall, leased to the department at the most liberal rates by Captain George Lavelle. The tower will stand about 50 feet in height with a signal staff 20 feet above the roof. It will be an ornament to the city. And this was May 1878. A giant fire bell. I love that. I love that. I wish that was still there. <laughs> the uh, government... Uh, the government are going to open a wagon road from Fort Stevens to the site for the new lighthouse on Clatsop Beach. Ooh. Sounds of hammers and saws are increasing in this vicinity. There is yet a demand for more business. That's October 2nd, 1873. Okay. 
Who who will build the first plate glass front brick building in Astoria? Is the question being discussed here now? There will be more building in the city during the next year than has been done in the last five years. As a consequence, mechanics and laborers will be in demand. That was October 11th of 1873. How exciting. CB Farliman and company have in, have in successful operation in Astoria factory that is turning out a good quality of bar soap. Ooh. 1874. We had a bar soap <laughs> factory. factory. Interesting. Captain George Flavel's pile driver began work on Farrell's Wharf extension on the morning of the 11th. Captain Flavel has purchased a large windmill which will be used to draw fresh water at his private residence in the city. nice. So this is the 1870s, and there is actually an old photo before they built the big house. You know, there were some fruit trees, which is why the pear tree predates everything on our, our current grounds. Okay. But we have an old picture before the house was built, and there is a windmill on that property. Oh, how cool. So we're trying to figure out, did he bring water to his house? Was it to water the trees? Was it just from the river? Was there a well sitting somewhere right. on the grounds? We don't know. How fascinating. Yeah. Oh, bring back that windmill. Yeah, giant windmill. Um, let's see. Somebody is wanted in Astoria to move and hoist buildings. Some of our people want to get up uh, another story. Astoria now has four regular hotels, one of which, Aragonese Occident, is the best in the West. There are also five private boarding houses in the city. Dr. Kinsey has returned from San Francisco and stacks of new goods and commence, have commenced arriving at the city drugstore. Surgical instruments and a full line of drugs and medicines, paints, oils, pure liquors for medicinal purposes, <laughs> and a thousand things too numerous to mention have been added to the stock. Call and see the nice toilet articles for ladies. The Astoria Congressional Society have, with the assistance of some Christians in Massachusetts, established in this town a free library. As a nucleus, it starts with nearly 100 volumes for the present. The books of the library can be found and procured at the store of Messrs. Bramall and Holden, who have kindly tendered the society the free use of shelving. And that all was July 18th, 1874. 1874. See, are they really being generous or is it just a way to get people to come into their store? I think it's genius. I love it. <laughs> I would love to have free the libraries, libraries in, here. Come in into my stores. Store. Why not? Yeah, I like that too. So uh, this is May 15th, 1875. There's not an empty house in Astoria and barns are being converted into residence. Ooh. See, we think we don't have that. The not having enough housing is a modern. Thing. Right. <laughs> well, 1875, they're they're building uh, people Bar into barns, barns into homes. So here's another one you highlighted. The city owes Captain Hubbard of the Jane's Jane A. Falkenberg a vote of thanks for a supply of gold fish brought over on his last voyage for the city park fountain. People outside of Astoria may pre presume that we have none of the grand features of a live city. But let them see our park and they will be convinced. Peter Wilhelm is also entitled to considerate, considerable credit for this. And that was May 30th of 1878 for goldfish. <laughs> goldfish. I love goldfish. that. Goldfish. <laughs> yeah, the first one I saw <laughs> but that. But it says goldfish. Yes. At first I was thinking like, like those fish are gold. I know, right. The money but that we made. Goldfish. And I realized it's actually goldfish. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, that made me laugh too. This one kind of <laughs> makes me laugh as well. This is uh, 1876. There is great complaint among the carpenters in Astoria because of the scarcity of lumber. Ooh. We're short of lumber in Astoria. <laughs> Already. <laughs> yeah. 
the three local mills being unable to supply the current demand, both having orders six weeks ahead. The sawmills along the river from St. Helens to Napton are all contributing lumber for this locality, which arrives daily by barges, rafts, etc., and yet the supply is insufficient for the demands of the city. Yeah, that, that is quite something in that time. I mean, surround. I mean, we're You're still sh- surrounded by trees, but... And we're short of lumber. Right. So these types of things are... It's fat. I mean, it's. I know it's a rabbit hole. You can just get really stuck going you down. Right. But it's really fun. If you just go to our website, uh, click on the, the more information research, and you'll see Internet Archive. And all these things are word searchable. So I, I must have hit building or something to have called this up, or, or maybe I hit windmill for all right. I know. And it just picked it out. And this is a 76-page document that uh, is just something Lisa put together. I love All it. these clips that have something to do. Also a nod to newspapers and uh, recording your words, folks. It's important because uh, that does become our history that we learn from. Thank you. Excellent. Go make some history. We'll catch you next week. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us for An Adventure in History. An Adventure in History is created and produced by the Clatsop County Historical Society and brought to you by KMUN.